Hi, I'm AJ McRae, Head of Global Payments at Bank of America, and you're listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. Payments are going through a transformation in capabilities, functionality, and usage across the ecosystem. In today's podcast, we are discussing what corporate treasurers face in light of these changes, and more importantly, what new opportunities are available as the payments landscape evolves. I'm delighted to be joined by Paul DeCrane, Principal of Xander's Treasury and Finance Solutions, and Derek Walton, Head of Emerging Payments and Innovation at Bank of America. Welcome, Paul, and welcome, Derek. Hi, AJ. Thank you for having me. AJ, thank you for having me. All right. Let's start with you, Paul. What are the main challenges that treasurers are facing today? And in turn, what are the new developments and payments that can help solve for those challenges? Thank you, AJ. Very good question. I think you can categorize the challenges in the three categories. One is strategic. And by strategic, I mean, how are you looking at the use of new types of payments and new innovation around payments in order to enhance your capability to increase working capital, for instance, in order to be able to better automate and give visibility to customer and business behaviors? I think there's a number of strategic challenges that companies are looking at and looking for payments and technology innovation to help them with it. Second is organizational. It's the mechanics and the transactional elements of being able to move funding from one place to the other and being able to have visible funding. And payments is a big part of that. Payments is a core to how you manage the pay side or the outbound component of your technology, and as well as looking at the inbound capabilities as well, based upon how those transactions are being executed. And the last part is operational. So as you look to optimize cash, as you look to better schedule out payments and utilize different products and technology, the companies really need to be able to survey new developments out in the market in order to understand things such as real-time payments in order to best understand how to handle wallets internally, the impacts of buy now, pay later, and credit transfers and the direct debit capabilities that keep evolving over time. That's great. Thanks, Paul, for that overview. And Derek, what are the main challenges you're seeing clients navigate in the payment space? I think it's very similar to some of the things we've heard already, but it depends on the year as well for certain clients. But there are certain consistent themes that we do here from clients, especially when you're talking about some of their challenges. One of the first ones is they have to be knowledgeable about everything that's going on in the market. There are so many different types of payments. Things constantly seem to be evolving that they now almost need a PhD in understanding payments. And that's not at all where we want our clients to have to build the to be. So I think that's a main one. A second one is even though you're always adding new technologies and infrastructure to your business, having to support new types of payment types and new ways to make payments is also pretty painful for a lot of treasurers and a lot of companies that constantly have to adapt to all these new changes that are happening in the market. That takes a lot of resources, funds, time. So it definitely slows down that you can't utilize all those new payment types because you have to change your infrastructure. And the last big one I would say is managing the complexity of what's going on. There is no shortage of regulations that are going out there. Also trying to decide which jurisdiction you're going to send payments. Are you going to do it from one entity? You're going to do it from multiple entities. 
the global complexities that go along with it. All these, when you start thinking about the business model and how you start utilizing your talent and your resources to manage your payments, it's all very challenging. You put all those three together, and I'm sure it keeps quite a few of our clients up at night. Derek, that's great. A follow-up question for you. So many of the payment trends that we talk about are being driven by consumer interactions. So between consumers themselves and also between businesses and consumers. At Bank of America, we also serve a large segment of clients who do business-to-business payments. How are the consumer trends impacting the business-to-business space? This is an interesting trend that's starting to happen. As more and more of our clients are doing a lot of business-to-business payments, they see what's happening on the consumer side. I mean, the same people who are making business-to-business payments are making payments to their friends or family, and they're utilizing some of these consumer tools that are out there. And I'm sure they're asking themselves, why is it that I can do this when I'm sending a payment for myself to my friend, but I can't do this when I'm sending to another business partner? And it's a very fair question, right? And we talk about this as the consumerization of payments. There's starting to be an expectation from our business clients that we act a little bit more like what's going on in the consumers. And there's certain areas in which we start to see this in focus. One thing that we hear quite a bit is they want to say, why can't it be a little bit more alias? Why is it when I'm a business, I have to include all the account numbers and IBAN and SWIFT and routing codes when as a consumer, all I need is a phone number or an email. There's this tokenization, this alias-based way in which a lot of our clients want to move to. The other area I would say that they're starting to see a really big drive towards this. They want speed. They want a lot of frictionless service. They want the real-time feedback, meaning they want to know that when they send a payment, that payment has gotten through. They certainly want it to be cheaper. That'll always be a capability they're going to want to the end of days. And they want to make sure that they can adopt one of these digital capabilities that are put out there. All of those are things that we are currently doing in the consumer area that businesses are expecting we start innovating or bringing to B2B payments. And the technology is there, but now we have to start saying, what kind of adoption do we need? Sometimes you start thinking about frictionless. It's not always synonymous with security. And that's when we have to start thinking about how do we start bringing these capabilities to market and what is the right experience for businesses? All right, thanks. Derek and Paul, both of you have talked about some of the challenges and also many of the choices and options that corporate clients have in the payment space that are new. And we've noticed in our work with clients that there are many choices in the market that are yet to have high adoption. So, Paul, a question for you. How does the Treasury Group decide when it's the right time for them to adopt one of these new options, and how do they make that decision? AJ, that's a very good question. The answer is somewhat straightforward, but can also be more complex in practice. First of all, it's very important for a company to have a vision on how they're going to identify technology and be able to utilize it internally in order to create value. By saying that, they need to find the solution that fits the need. So having a process that internally an approach and a methodology on how you're going to approach new innovation and find a good use case for it. That's the first is to have a vision. Number two is target and identify what the needs are internally and apply that solution to the targets. So from an innovation perspective, whether it's a virtual account or an API solution, for example, how is that going to be utilized and under what use case can it really bring value back to the firm? Is it a cost savings effort? 
Is it a business optimization effort? Is it a funding optimization capability or a better view of liquidity that can yield itself high value with the business as well as with the internal operation of treasury and funding activities is very important. So really identifying the use case. Now that's a push and a pull activity. Treasurers need to be outreaching to their businesses in order to understand what the needs are. Because a lot of times innovation really takes hold as a value prospect when there's a need for that innovation to be put into place. If you're back to the API example, if you're working across multiple time zones and you're really needing to settle cash real time and have multiple views within a day on where that cash sits, it's really important technology is in place in order to enable that benefit to the organization. Then last is the value to the company, really getting the broader organization on board to the value that it brings, whether it's a cost benefit analysis or whether it's just operational enablement across the organization to utilize that technology, to be bought in, sold into the capabilities and to have all the cross functional holders on board to actually move the implementation of that innovation forward. That's really useful insight. Question for both of you, maybe follow on to the last one, success stories. Can each of you share success stories of where you've seen a company adopt a new technology and seen success? And maybe Paul, start with you. Thank you, AJ. One example that comes to mind, and it's very close to Bank of America, and that's the use of APIs I was mentioning before. You had a client who had accounts in different treasury centers across the globe and they really had an issue. They needed to optimize cash from one entity to the other and do it sequentially throughout the course of the day in a follow the sun type activity. Historically, what they did is they would pull in bank statements at the end of the day and through API technology, as well as a combination of virtual account setup, were able to really be able to attach to incremental updates at every point of the day to be able to identify how much and forecast end of day cash through being able to do multiple pulls, multiple runs, see what cash was in trans and what wasn't, and be able to set that up seamlessly within their system so they could work time zone to time zone. In order to do that, they had to work closely with their bankers in order to find the right solution to be able to connect to the file formats, to be able to get all the data and information they needed account by account, location by location, into a cash position incrementally throughout the day and work with their business to do that as well. That's an example of with the combination of a technology and a product that they were able to optimize the movement of cash within the organization, have visibility to payments and receivables, and be able to make the best business decisions possible to manage the liquidity internally. That's great. Derek, a success story that you can share? I think this is a difficult one because there's been lots, but I'm going to focus on a few areas. And I think Paul said it quite well, which is choosing a vision and something that fits with the shop that you're bringing to market. So if I think about some of the areas in which we've seen just across the spectrum, we've seen RTP adoption in spaces such as lending and escrow, meaning that for years when people could not buy or settle their houses, over the weekend, because the banks were closed, they can start doing those now because RTP is 24 by 7. And that brings a whole level of business and a different kind of business model to the escrow spaces. You start looking at what healthcare is doing, where healthcare has this problem where they're trying to pay everyone from age 
16 to 100, and they're starting to utilize a recipient select client product. So they can pay a whole bunch of different type of ways, whether it be check, ACH, or a digital payment. And talking about digital payments, the entertainment industry, which has to pay makeup artists, lawn care, and caterers when they're on site, they're starting to use digital disbursements because they're easy and they're frictionless and they only need very minimal information. We're starting to see how large clients are starting to utilize Bank of America's large reach around the world to consolidate their bank partners and make nuisance payments around the world using wires and ACHs. They have a vision. They're all utilizing the payment types that work best for their model. They've made a decision that they don't need to have everything. They use the ones that most fit what they're trying to do. That's great. It's really useful insight into success stories from both of you. Derek, a final question for you. As they think through the evolving world of payments, what should our listeners on treasury teams be asking their banker? I like this question. I think the first part I would say is when you're speaking to your bankers, don't product shop. I think you need to solution shop. And what I mean by that is don't just see what the bank has to offer and try to cram it into the gap that you're trying to solve. Just try to solve your gap. And by speaking with your banker, who's also your advisor, they can get quite a bit of insight. In some sense, they may say, you don't need any product. You just need to do X or Y. But talking to them about your problems allows your advisor to really hone in on what needs to be fixed. And the next thing I would say is focus on the areas that fit your business model. There's a lot of shiny toys out there. I play with these shiny toys all the time, and some of them are fit for purpose, and some of them are just the next fad. But I would say when you start thinking about your business model and where you want to bring it, focus on the areas that will help accelerate your growth. For some people, 24 by 7 payments may not be necessary. But being able to pay out locally in countries in Asia or Latin America may be much more important. So you have to make sure that you are focusing on the business model that's necessary. Do I think that over time, warmer people will get used to doing 24 by 7 and digital? Yes. It will take time. It doesn't happen overnight. So you have time to work through the gaps that need the most attention and still come around to where the future is headed. So that's what I would say. Just bring it all in to what your business model is going to be and utilize your bankers to help guide you there. There's so much more we could discuss on such a wide-ranging topic, but this is all the time we have for today. Thank you very much, Paul and Derek, for your insights today. Thank you for having me, AJ. Thanks, AJ. I'm AJ McRae, and my co-hosts have been Paul DeCrane and Derek Walton. Thank you for listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the Global Banking and Global Markets Divisions of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp both of which are registered broker-dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as futures commission merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA.
Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.